sex. Some giggles. And, and I expected some giggles, mainly from the, like the homeschool section, but I expected a lot of giggles everywhere. I've, I know where you are. I got you. I got you. But now you think about it, listen, with that one word, with that one, it, that word has some power to it because with that one word, a few things just happened. First of all, you're, you're tuned in. Um, but a few things happen. For some of you, uh, you're now perspiring pretty profusely and your old spice is having to work some overtime to do its thing. Some of you, you hear that word and, and it maybe it's embarrassing. For some of you, you hear that word and, and shame floods in. For some of you, it's excitement. For some of you, it's, it's, it's questions. For, again, for some of you, it conjures up mystery, uh, kind of shameful maybe over here, bad, uh, don't talk about that, or at least not in this context, not in a church. I can almost guarantee you this, though, whatever's going through your brain, we're all interested. We're all interested. In the main, human beings are fascinated with sex. I mean, it would not take me long or much to prove that. In the main, we are men, women, young, old Christian, uh, atheist, Neil Diamond fan, Neil Diamond hater. In the main, humanity is fascinated with sex. It seems to be that this topic, this thing, transcends any differences that we might have, and it simply captivates us in one way or another. Some are addicted to it. Some, it ruins their lives. Wars have been fought over it. Companies have been founded on it. Movies are made about it. Books are written about it. Songs are sung about it, and so on and so on. So like it or not, sex is a part of everyday life. Now, not necessarily the act of sex. Hopefully, that's not the case yet. But in the main, we are bombarded at almost every corner with this concept of sexuality and sex. I mean, this isn't necessarily sex, but last night we're in the living room, and I think I was watching a game, and afterwards, it was kind of one of those things, I was doing some work on the laptop, the kids were in the living room playing, and so it just kept playing to the next show. I think it was, I think New Girl. I think, do you all watch New Girl? Yes? It's just. You all don't watch New Girl? Okay, what's well, New Girl? Anyway, on the screen, a guy and a girl are kind of, kind of going at it a little bit, like making out, and like I'm just oblivious. I don't know kind of what's going on. And all of a sudden, I hear Kaylee go, "Why are they kissing? How do you know that word? You like just popped out of the womb. <laughs> like that serious? I'm like, what?" You're like, you like just got here, and you, you know what they're doing, and you're asking me why? I'm like, I'm not, that, I'm not ready. Are you kidding me? Really? No, no. But, I mean, it's those kind of things. I mean, the, it, it really is in our face. We ha- we're doing something with the information that's, that's given to us. We're doing something with it. So here's the question, and, and obviously tonight's a bit introductory. If you haven't caught the flavor of how this whole series has been, like three weeks 
is like one message, but I don't think you want to sit under my teaching for like 68 minutes, so I'm breaking them up. <laughs> so before we can go here, I got to go here. Before we go here, you, you know how I do. You know how I do. But here's some of the things that I want to I wanna kind of tease out and at least get your brain wrapped around as we are going to camp out here the next few weeks. And is this, is it bad to be fascinated, to be curious, um, to be interested in this topic of sex? Is it bad? Well, I think it depends. Uh, on one hand, listen, you've got an entire book of the Bible that's dedicated to the celebration of two married people, a man and a woman, of celebrating sex between them, celebrating romance between them. An entire book of the Bible, Song of Solomon. Ever heard of it? And it's not like PG style. It's like rated R style. I don't know if you've known that. Right now, every for the first time, every high school male is formulating a Bible reading plan. <laughs> oh, I've been meaning to go to the Old Testament <laughs> on Wednesday nights. Every high school male now has a Bible reading plan. I love it. But just like dating, all of us have been discipled in some way concerning how to think about and how to view sex. We all have. I mean, think about it. What have you picked up? What have you picked up from the media? What have you picked up from TV? What have you picked up from the movies that we watch? What have you picked up from the magazine rack at the Kroger? You know, have your parents, have your parents ever spoken to you about sex? Have they ever said things to you about them? Is, is sex kind of maybe a necessary evil just for the pure reason of, you know, creating other human beings so that the, the human race doesn't go extinct? You've got to do it. Is it kind of this necessary evil? Is it something to be joked about or just giggled at? Is it something that's dirty and maybe should be kind of kept over in this box over here to itself, not really discussed, talked about? It's kind of, it's kind of a bad thing. Uh, we hear it's good, but it's, it's kind of a bad thing. You know, even your parents not talking about sex, uh, even that communicates something about it. What messages have you picked up on at the lunch table, in the locker room, via Twitter, um, texting about someone? At a sleepover, at guys' night, whatever. What, what, have, what are the things that you picked up? What are your views as these things are around us and pressing in? What, have, what, what are the things that you've picked up? How are you thinking about it? These are the kind of things that I'm asking you. You know, As we move forward in this portion of the series, I want you to seriously be asking yourself these kind of questions because traditionally I think the church has done maybe a disservice and kind of a bad job at teaching a biblical view of sex because we just don't talk about it. Because it is weird, it is uncomfortable, but I don't know that it was supposed to be. I don't know that it was supposed to be. I'm reminded, you know, often to, to the very beginning, the fall, when Adam and Eve, they're, they're naked. They're hanging out like playing racquetball in the nude. You know, and they're, and they're like fine with it. It's like not weird. And then what happens? As soon as God's law is broken, as soon as sin enters into the picture, as soon as there was beauty and it was good and it was okay, as soon as this little, this little parasite called sin comes in and latches onto that good, what happens all of a sudden? What do they go to do? They go to hide. They're ashamed, and they take things, and they make fig leaves, and they're going, oh, this is bad, something's wrong, it's weird, I shouldn't know, that's bad. When sin enters in, and it distorts 
Now, obviously, there are limits to things that we're going to discuss and to talk about. There's a time and a place. This isn't a boys' club. Um, this isn't a locker room. So should the church be, you know, doing a series and talking about sex and sexuality every Sunday and Wednesday? No, not at all. And that's one of the freedoms that we enjoy here on a Wednesday night. This is just a, this is not a Sunday. This is a, hey, we're getting together and we're wanting to figure out what does God's word say about meaningful things that have to do with everyday life. So there's, there's some freedom in what we can talk about, but there's also some boundaries and some limits, obviously. But here's what I want you to start doing. I want you to start being honest about your views and your thoughts of sex. I want you to start being honest because, listen, we all have them. We all have them. We all have them. And honestly, most of them are probably pretty jacked up because when it is discussed and when it is talked about, it's normally from out there and not in here. It's normally from the culture and not from here. And so that's what the next few weeks is going to be exactly about, looking at exactly what it says. I mean, look, would it really be that hard for me to prove that our culture is fascinated with sex? Is it not everywhere? Would anyone disagree? Uh, how many of you are planning on going to UT in the fall? UTK? Some of you? Yes. Scoby. Thinking about it? You're going for sure. You're an idiot. Uh, anyway. Hey, good school. Yeah, I know, Jane. But you're small, so whatever. Um, Great school, SEC school. Um, have you heard about Sex Week? <laughs> now, like four four other male hands just went up. Oh yeah, I've been considering that for a long time. UTK. There's a controversy over Sex Week. You haven't heard of Sex Week at UT? The controversy. Ah, oh, okay, check it. Big controversy in the volunteer state over the university paying for student Sex Week. We'll take you to the campus for a debate. Impact segment tonight, big controversy at the University of Tennessee beginning on April 5th. There will be a sex week for students there. And the university had committed about $11,000 in taxpayer funds to that exposition. When some lawmakers in Nashville heard about that, they threatened to cut off all funding for the University of Tennessee Knoxville. So the university backed down, saying it will now spend only $6,700 in student funds for sex week. Joining us from Knoxville, two co-chairs of Sex Week, Jacob Clark, a junior, and Brianna Rader, also a junior at the university. So, Ms. Rader, do you understand that some Tennesseans still want their tax money going for this kind of thing? I can understand that. However, we remain, have a firm stance that this is an important educational event. But the decision has been made. It's out of our hands now, and we have to move forward. All right. So your, your posture then, uh, Ms. Mr. Clark, is that the educational aspect of Sex Week, and there are, to be fair, some, some uh, seminars or discussions, whatever you want, that are educational. Uh, they're not all crazy, loony stuff. Um, overrides the bondage stuff and the uh, how-to stuff. Is that your posture, Mr. Clark? Uh, well so that gives you kind of a brief little thing. There's a thing called Sex Week at UT, and it's there's some bondage stuff, and there's some how-to stuff. And Liz, I'm not just picking out UT. I mean, it's it's a it's a college. Take your pick. So that's kind of in your face. I mean, that's that's going to be something that you're up against. I mean, down the road, what do you, what do you do with that? What category do you stick that in? Um, I had someone who was walking around. Walking around on campus, UT, they took two pictures um, 
of two flyers that were on kind of like the uh, event board, you know, events coming up in the week. And they, they, I mean, literally took these pictures, texted them right to my phone. Here was the first one. Uh, let's talk about sex, baby. I will just say, and look what you can learn about. Plan B, one step, you know, plan B. Let's not go with plan A, which is like do, do it God's way. Like when you're married and it's okay if you, you know, have a baby. Let's, let's go with plan B. You know, in case, let's go with plan B. So you can learn about that, birth control, blah, I'm not saying that word. SCDs, H, okay, yeah. Gets uncomfortable there. Um, I put that black square there. And because all, we would be really, really embarrassed to be in mixed company. And um, you see what's behind the black square. And this is just in Hume's Hall on UT's campus where all of you are going to be walking, you know, in a, in a few years or someplace like it. Uh, the other picture he snapped was this, the art of seduction. Look, prep for spring break. Spring break's coming up. Prep for spring break. It's got a seductive twist. It's not just a normal art of seduction. It has a seductive twist. I mean, this is this is this is life. I mean, this is this is the norm. Uh, I got one that, Caroline. I'm so sorry. I'm about to just break your world in half. Even though we all love and respect the musicality of the group One Direction, Old Harry, Old Harry Styles. Look at him. Read this. Harry Styles talks about his sex life and getting tips from Fifty Shades of Grey. He looks kind of like a hipster Frodo. <laughs> like he is a hipster hobbit. There's nothing special or attractive about this young man. So, I mean, hey, kind of a cultural icon. He's out there. He's talking about it. What's the big deal? Um, maybe you've heard of the One Million Likes Facebook Challenge. Have you heard of this? Because it's just fun. It's just fun and cute, right? Catherine, this is his girlfriend, I guess, says that if I can get one million likes, she will have sex with me. Guys, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm not having to really uh, straw man anything or make anything up. This is, this is our culture. Sex, is, it's just sex. In 1998, there was actually a movie that came out that was called um, Relax, It's Just Sex. Relax, it's just sex. But is that true? Is sex just sex? Is sex just skin on skin human pleasure? Do we make a big deal out of something that's really, it's, hey, if we're all interested, it means it's in our DNA. It's, it's just part of our humanity. It's part of being a man or a woman is that, yes, we're interested. And when we feel that the time is right, we engage in this level of sexual activity. And then we might want to engage in that level and then here and there. Is sex just sex? It seems like we have two competing views of sex. On this end, sex is God, okay? It makes the world go round. I mean, it's, it's just, these were, honestly, it's overwhelming. I mean, we could spend at least three hours just, I could show you movie clip after song, after picture, after whatever. It's, it's the amount of information out there is overwhelming to prove to you that we are in a sex-crazed culture. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's too much. 
So sex is God over here, and then over on this end of the spectrum, sex is gross. So sex is God, or sex is gross, it's kind of weird, it's something to be ashamed about, it's something that it's, it's like, I, I can't exactly put my finger on what it is, well, like, you know what it is, but what it is deeper than that, and what it, you know, I can't put my finger on it. But what I want to help you to discover, and what I hope is that our biblical, is that our study is going to arise this biblical view of sex that reveals this. Sex is not God. It shouldn't be God. And sex is not gross. But sex is good. And this is exactly what God's word has for us. He designed it. He created it intentionally. You know, even this far in, some of your minds are probably already blown just by hearing that. You, you might have thought it was just an accident. You know, like Adam and Eve are hanging out. There's no other people. They're just kind of bored, so they start getting freaky in the garden. You know, and God's just like, eh, what? Ah, okay, whatever, you rascals. So, I mean, for this is, listen, some of your minds, it's blown going, whoa, 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 what, wait. God intentionally created sex. He designed it. He planned it. He gave it um, as a gift. It's good. Are you, are you sure? I'm going to blow your mind in the next few weeks. I'm absolutely sure because this book is absolutely sure of that. Sex is God's intentional design, and it means things, and it points to things. It's going to rock your world a little bit. You know what marriage is, right? We're going to get into this a lot when I hit the marriage. Marriage is not just about wedding dresses and rings and, like, I want to find someone who makes me happy and a better person and a better me. Marriage is a big fat sermon illustration. Marriage is going how Christ and the church relate. That's how a man and a woman relate. The reason that marriage exists is for God's glory to go, this is how I relate to my people. Now, what happens in marriage? Sex is supposed to happen in marriage. And that, my friend, is a picture and an illustration of the union of Christ and his church and his people. So you better believe that God designed and intentionally created this thing that is good and is a gift. So here's what I want to challenge you to do as we're going to walk through some scripture. To I want to challenge you to do this. Rethink sex. I want you to rethink sex. Listen, similar to my car illustration, you know, when it came to dating, I'll illustrate this topic using uh, fire. Fire in its right context is a really good thing, right? We, we make the fire in the fire pit, and we all get around it, and we sing, and it's great, and it's a nice fire in a fireplace at home on a cold winter or mid-April Memphis day. Um, is nice and good when it's contained, it's controlled, it's a great thing. Fire out of its context, what does it do? Well, it can burn a house down. It can burn a life down. Uh, it can scar. It can hurt. It can damage. It consumes things. Sex, my friends, can be the source of great beauty and joy and ecstasy. Or sex can be the source of deep pain and sorrow and shame and hurt. Let me close with this. Um, 
one of the most frequent questions that I got uh, when y'all submitted the anonymous cards. It was one of the most frequent questions that was asked, and it can be summed up like this. I know the Bible says that sex is wrong, and when they meant sex, it was like, like sex, like sexual intercourse. They're like, okay, I know that's wrong, but what about everything leading up to it? I know you say it's going to scar me. Oh, I'm going to be ashamed. But is it that big of a deal? How is it going to affect me? How, is, how am I really going to pay for it? Is it really that big of a deal? Is it going to leave these lasting effects that you and all these old married people, you know, say? I got that one a lot. You know, kind of tell me how it's going to hurt. And I even, I want to get to that. I am going to list some practical things. And listen, that's an honest question. It's a very human nature question. Me, when I hop in the car and I'm headed down to 30A, you know, every summer, get, get my beach on. Meeting starts in five minutes. We'll be right there. Oh, never mind. Sorry. I thought I was going to be funny and you were actually coming in because you're a part of the meeting. Well, that was awkward. So let me rewind. All right. When I get in the car to head down to the beach, here's what I do. Speed limit 70. I set my cruise control for like 74, 76. Why? Because I'm like, what's, what's the most, how fast can I go until I get a ticket? I'm like, 76, eh, they're lazy. They're not going to turn the sirens on and come after me for 76. Six over on the highway, not a big deal. But we do that, don't we, as humans? We go, all right, I just want to know, when the law stops me and it has consequences, then I want to stop doing it. But what, how far can I get to that point before, like, there's actual consequences? We do that as humans. I'll illustrate with my kids again. Listen, Kaylee and Peyton, they get spanked when they stand up. Um, in their chairs in the kitchen. And they love to do this for whatever reason. I guess we are like a really boring family. We're standing in chairs. And, and we swat them. We swat them for that. We spank them for them. Why? Because, well, A, they're tall chairs and we have very hard tile floors. Okay? So if they fell, they could get badly hurt. They could end up just dumb like Jonathan. It's bad things could happen. <laughs> bad things. See, we've, God's been so gracious in our youth group. We have Sam Smith, great example of like, he came out, you know, maybe smarter. And then Jonathan kind of like on the downhill, just towards, just towards a bad life altogether. I kid, I kid. But so we go, Hey, Hey, we're going to spank you. You're going to get hurt. We're trying to, you know, kids and they don't get it. You have to tell them literally it's like every night you want to go. I told you last night, bang, you know, they just don't get it. But listen, there are really two reasons that I don't want them standing. Yes, I set boundaries. They don't understand those boundaries. They don't have the capacity yet to go, oh, okay, so that means this. That could mean brain damage and medical bills. They don't have the capacity to understand it. So, yes, I'm setting boundaries for their own good. I don't want you to get hurt, so I'm telling you not to do this. I'm putting a box around it. That is part of it. But the ultimate reason that I don't want them standing in that chair goes beyond that. It's this. I'm their father. I love them. They know that. And so I want them to obey me because they love me and they trust me. Even without me having to go through every little X and O and them understanding every meaning behind, hey, don't do this, don't do that. I'm their loving father. And they've seen me love them. They've seen me provide for them. And so I want them to trust me. 
When it comes to this subject of sex, most of us find ourselves in trouble. And listen, I'm not just talking physically. You can sin sexually and have never touched a person of the opposite sex. I'm not just talking physically, but when it comes to the subject of sex, most of us find ourselves in trouble because we don't trust. We don't trust that God is good enough or big enough or worthy enough to correctly shape and define our sexuality. So what we're going to do in the coming weeks, and what I want to close with now, is let's pray for wisdom that we can't get in ourselves. It's got to come with outside of us. Let's pray for discernment and trust that what this book says is for our good, but ultimately, and more importantly than, oh, he wants us to be protected and okay, much more importantly is this. It's for God's glory. This is why he created sex. This is why he puts boundaries around sex. Is so that he would be glorified, not just so that we would be happy, married, jolly people. Let's pray to that end. Father, thank you for the freedom, Lord, to discuss things in the context of a a covenant and a loving community. Lord, you have revealed yourself. Lord, we've, we've sung about how you reveal yourself in creation. Lord, we know that you have revealed yourself perfectly in the scriptures that we have. Lord, we also know that you have revealed yourself perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the exact imprint of you. So, Lord, as we've been able to worship, Lord, I pray that you would cause our hearts to find you to be so beautiful, so majestic, so worthy, that every part of our life, our dating, the way that we're framing up sex and sexuality, the way that we're thinking about marriage, all of these things, Lord, we pray that they would be pleasing and acceptable to you. Lord, you are a loving Father, and you've proved that over and over. And yet, in our sin, in our wandering hearts, we stand up in the chair and we question you. Lord, may you give us a a heart that delights to submit to you. Only you can do it. We cannot muster it up. Show us this Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.